the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, hi, hi, hi. This is it. This is it. The final Friday before Christmas. The final Friday before, for me, uh, the final workday of 2022. That's it. Uh, what am I doing? I'm going skiing for the first time in about 15 years. I'm going skiing. I don't know why the hell we got to go all the way to another state. We're going to Utah to do it for some reason. Uh, never done that. I've only gone skiing Hunter Mountain, um, Vernon Valley, places like that. And it's a long time. Um, and things have changed. I'm going to wear a helmet. I'm going to wear a helmet uh, because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. what I, I, I wear, I'm a surprise I didn't wear a helmet back then. I don't think I'm going to fall, but some crazy skier runs into me. Hey, didn't one of the Kennedys die skiing? Yeah, one of them died. They they played ski football. They actually would play ski football. The, those Kennedys are kind of crazy. Um, speaking of which, I had some uh, – one of them had a meltdown a couple of years ago after Donald Trump had the nerve to ban all transgender individuals from military service, which is about as kind of black and white an issue as you can come up with. It's um, – they don't belong – uh, transgenders to this day don't belong in the military. Just don't. It's, that's not a um, it's not a crazy position. There's nothing there's nothing oddball about that. Hey, by the way, I'm sorry, guys. This is the this is old stuff here. This is two days. This is a. Can you go ahead and recut that? This is old stuff. If you don't mind. Did you see the? You understand, right? The, this is not the last night. All right, just the other one. Um, the January 6th report is out, all 800 pages. I've been through it. It's all a bunch of fake news. It really is uh, just a, it's a great big bust. It's nothing there. Chapter after chapter is about President Trump, who, guess what, was not there at the Capitol on January 6th. He wasn't there. He was uh, miles away. It's just a great big hit job. And here's one of the many ways you can tell it's a great big phony baloney story. It's uh, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. It's all about Cassidy Hutchinson and what a hero she is. Cassidy Hutchinson, who's one of the silliest people I've ever seen. Silliest. And our country is so silly. If it's going to elevate and laud this nobody who has nothing to say other than the gossip that Tony told her. Tony? Tony told her something, and we made a federal case out of it. Um, I wonder how he's doing, Trump, actually, right now. This is a lot. This is a lot to put up with. It's wild. I'm going through the New York Times here. Donald Trump is literally every story, every story on the front page of the paper. Two years. He's been out two years. You know why? Because they're afraid. They are afraid. The polling numbers, I mean, the real polling numbers, not the CNN uh, Ipsos Factos poll from yesterday. I'm talking about the private polling. Uh, that they pay big money for. They know that Donald Trump is potent, <laughs> is powerful, is viable, more viable now than um, perhaps in 2016. And we've seen the contrast. The only way they can keep him out is the way they kept him out the last time, and that is, yes, cheating. I don't want to get too mad. Look, that's my that's my belief. I don't want the FBI to come because every time I say the election, seriously, what kind of freaking country is this where you got to worry about what you say? Since when is that? This is the country of 
Howard Stern. I mean, you're all, you're supposed to be able to say stuff and not worry. Remember, he had to worry about the FCC. Yeah, that was okay. I get it. Yeah, license. You're not allowed to say bad words. Now we're not allowed to talk about the election. We're not. If we talk about the election in the wrong way, we need to have a talk with you. Federal authorities are very concerned about. This is the kind of stuff that happens, and uh, I don't like it. This is the kind of stuff that happens in China, not in America, right? Not in America. All right, just give me a status report on that if you can. All right. Oh, that sounds very reassuring. Um, anyway, I shouldn't get worked up about anything, right? It's the Friday before Christmas, which is uh, which is nice. Joe Biden gave <laughs> Joe Biden gave a uh, a Christmas speech last night. Did you hear any of it? Uh, you know, we don't have to fight. We don't have to. We don't have to poison our country with this hateful rhetoric. I agree. Then why don't you talk about that? Why don't you talk like that all the time? Why are you always yelling and screaming about MAGA Republicans and a threat to democracy? President of the United States really could set the tone. He doesn't want to. He likes this stuff. He wants it, or the people he works for want it. He could, more than anyone else alive, change the tone of America. And he doesn't do it. He does it on Christmas Eve or the eve of eve of Christmas Eve. Doesn't count. And even an occasion like that, what does he do? He uses it to talk about himself. Self-absorbed, weirdo president. You know what he did? He talked about that car crash that happened. It's the it's the Christmas address to the nation. And he's still talking about that car crash that happened 50 years ago. Yes, I know. It was a tragedy. Guess what? Everybody endures tragedy. Joe Biden is the only one who won't shut up about it. We endure it. We grow. We move on. I got... There's been about 75 speeches where Joe Biden talks about his dead wife and dead daughter from 50 years ago. And he does it in the most graphic, horrible terms. I'm I'm told that Jill Biden, by the way, doesn't like this. She doesn't like it. She's um, it's kind of awkward for her when Nell, I think that was uh, Joe Biden's first wife's name, when she's mentioned because... Well, Joe was cheating on uh, his first wife with um, Jill. Sorry, um, you know, I'm 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 sorry to bring it up, but uh, these things happen. It doesn't mean anyone's horrible. These things do happen. You know, we we sin and we uh, hope for forgiveness and we learn. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people stay out of politics because they don't want this stuff coming out. But Joe doesn't have to worry about that because when it when it does come out. It's still they still cover it up. Now, Jill Biden's ex-husband, a guy named Bill Stevenson, great guy. He wrote a book not too long ago, and he says that Joe Biden stole his wife, Jill. And he's still upset about it. And it's a totally credible story. He is a legit guy. He was married to Jill and Joe as a. United as a candidate and then as a U.S. senator, right? Try, try, try competing with that. Try competing with that. Hot shot Joe Biden. Um, this poor guy, he helped Joe campaign for the presidency. He helped him. He stuffed envelopes for him. And he remembers it's so vivid in his head that he and his wife, Jill, went over to Joe's house to stuff envelopes. What else was being? Never mind. 
Uh, Mike from Comac, do me a favor. Will you help me out here. How are you? Greg, I'm fine, fine. How are you? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. What's up? No, I just want to let you know you're going to have a great time in Utah. Uh, just to change things up a bit, uh, it's uh, powder. Uh, when you fall, you're really not going to kill yourself like you do here in the Northeast. Plus, you know, you skied Hunter Mountain, you said. Yeah. So that means that you're an expert. You've actually actually probably tra- uh, skied down the Belt Parkway, which is probably the most treacherous ski trail in the entire United States. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard this before. I've heard this before that we have the worst skiing in the world and it's so much better out there. I mean, I had fun at Hunter Mountain. What was so oh, bad about it? I've, no, there's nothing bad about Hunter Mountain. It's a great time. I mean, heck, uh, it, the partying there was unbelievable, too. But uh, I'm telling you, if you learned in Hunter Mountain how to skate, you're going to be an expert in, U- in Utah. You're going to enjoy it. I did, actually. So what's the deal? Because it's really icy here, and it's you say it's powdery there. But I worry about the powder. Don't you get your skis stuck in the powder? Not really, no. No, and then when you fall, it's not too bad. Not to say, I mean, you're not going like, to kill yourself. I'm glad you're going to wear a helmet. Do that. That's the smartest thing you can do. Um, you know, too many accidents can happen, especially. But you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. All right, pal. I'm looking forward to it. I really am, and I really feel yeah. bad. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, have a good one too. I feel so bad for these people. A lot of people have lost jobs uh, right on the eve of Christmas, and one of them is a guy named Mike Pazentino. No, I'm sorry, Stefan Pazentino. And he was working for Donald Trump in the Trump White House, in the White House Counsel's Office. Then he did some work for the Trump Organization. And uh, one of the things he was doing was fielding all these horrible requests that are coming from the government, all these subpoenas, and he was helping out. And apparently he helped out uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. He consulted with Cassidy, who got subpoenaed. And then, because it's just dumb old Cassidy, she had nothing, you know, oh, I'm just an idiot. I don't know what to do. She's like this... She's helpless, totally helpless and totally credible at the same time. No, I don't think so. Uh, she goes to uh, him, gets some advice, and then she blabs to the January 6th committee. Well, he told me I could say I don't remember, and I think she just misunderstood his advice. She basically said to the committee, who the hell cares, by the way? This is the lead. This is the lead from the January 6th report. That some lawyer may or may not have told Cassidy Hutchinson to say, I don't remember. You can always say, I don't remember if you don't want if you don't want to answer the question. Which I think is kind of understood, right? He loses his job on Christmas Eve, essentially, from a law firm called the Michael Best Law Firm. What kind of firm is that, by the way? That sounds like a really rinky dink law firm. Michael Best Law Firm. He puts out a statement, Stefan Pazentino, I didn't do anything wrong, and I believe you, sir. I don't think you did do anything wrong other than get mixed up with Cassidy before the makeover. Now it's Cassidy Hutchinson. Ooh, January 6th. It's all about Jan. It reminds me of the Mueller report, actually. Do you remember when the Mueller report came out? Now, what it really did was it absolved the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself of colluding with Russia. But everybody fixated on one small little detail that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was found to have been inconsistent like six months earlier. Oh, we have this. Sarah Huckabee Sanders said something that didn't turn out to actually be true. or And that's what everybody focused on. Now everyone's focused on um, this uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, what Cassidy Hutchinson's lawyer may or may not have said to her. 
This is bizarro land, folks. This is we are. I, I, I don't know. This is this is really crazy. This is kind of uh, this is this is the twilight zone. We have to focus on God. We have to focus on the Bible. We have to focus on do working hard and not giving in, not giving in to this insanity. And I am so grateful that I am not a part of it. So grateful to God, to you. Oh, it is. It's so free. It's a little bit scary because I don't know what's going to happen. How is this all going to play out? What's going to happen next? Here's the thing. It's not only this Mike Pazentino guy. It's anybody who worked for Trump. They've tried to tarnish, dirty up. You know, coming out of the White House used to be, wow, you worked at the White House? Okay, let's give you one of our better jobs at Goldman Sachs. Let's give you one of our better jobs at this law firm. Let, let, let's let's bring you to high tech. Let's put you on this board. Let's you know, it was a real cool thing to have on your resume. And now they've turned it into a to a burden, a demerit. And it shouldn't be. Um I wonder how he's doing. You think we should well, maybe we'll get him on the phone. I wanna know. I wanna know. Brett Kavanaugh said it very well when he was Defending himself after that hor- those horrible accusations, he said the world went crazy with the defeat of Hillary Clinton. Everything, everybody threw out the rules, and they were going to say, "You know what? We're not playing by them anymore. We played by them, and more or less, and it gave us Donald Trump, who they abhor. And now they're going to break the rules. They're going to break rules. They're going to break norms. For as kind of wild as Donald Trump is." He, he does play by the rules. Sure, socially, it's, you know, sometimes we're, oh, my God, how could he say that? But it's just words. It's just words. Well, look at what he does. And he did amazing things. And I think he's going to do amazing things again. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. i got to get something straightened out. And uh, I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sam Banker-Fried is out uh, on bond already over at his parents' house in, where does he live again? He lives in um, uh, Palo Alto. Well, good for him. He's, uh, no, not good for him. He's a creep. He's a Ponzi schemer. Um, But he had a hell of a lot of help, and I think he's going to get a sweetheart deal, don't you? uh, Speaking of sweetheart deals, did you know Senator Schumer's uh, kids, one of them works at Meta, which is Facebook. The other one works at Google. And uh, Senator Schumer seems to be very much on the side of big tech. Big tech. They always are on the side of big tech. And that's one of the ways they do it. That co-opting, co-opting, getting people, getting the elites, getting on their side, getting the elites on their side. Um, it's bad news. Hey, by the way, the omnibus bill past i know i know i'm supposed to be angry about it and i am generally i don't like that there's a four thousand page thing that's crammed in at the last minute 
I don't like that um, there's all kinds of pork. I don't like that nobody can read the whole thing. As a matter of fact, I hate that. We haven't always worked this way. The government has gotten too big. No one can control it. (laughs) No one can control it. Nobody seems to want to control it except Trump. And you know what? I am really sick of DeSantis. All right? The guy is not ready. He is a small-time guy. He is a career politician. Absolutely. This guy has been scheming to be president his entire life. Look, that's okay. People do that in life. And and, and you can still be a good president, but it's not his turn. It's not his time. And he's got a lot of growing up to do. I know somebody personally who met with the guy. He was, what's his name? He's rude. He's weird. He's aloof. He's arrogant. Tell you what, you meet Donald Trump, you'll be like, this is the most charming guy in the world. I love. How could anybody not like this guy? DeSantis, no. He turns off everybody. Um, I know it's really amusing to watch him shut down News Channel 8, but it's News Channel 8 Tampa Bay. He's not really ready for this, uh, for the national stage. I don't think he is. He's got a very short fuse. And Donald Trump, by the way, it's funny. They say, well, he has a short fuse. Have you ever, did you ever see the way they treat him day in and day out? How they treat, how they treated him. Always spoiling, looking for a fight. Meanwhile, they are coddling Joe Biden, coddling him like he's a little baby. And partly it's because that yelling routine, that angry man routine that he, uh, that he does, it actually works. People are afraid of it. Eric Adams says that New York City is the safest city around. What? Boy, this is what ignorance and arrogance looks like when in one person. Ignorance and arrogance <laughs> and goofiness. Um, but again, he's uh, he can get away with it as well. Now, what, what does he use? In, well, Joe, Joe Biden uses anger and he harnesses the bias of the press Eric Adams, it's a little bit different. He uses his race as his shield. Really does. Uh, Remember, he doesn't feel comfortable around white people. He likes picking cracker ass. But that's okay. That's just okay in our new bizarro upside, upside down, everything that's wrong is right, everything that's right is wrong world, huh? No, it's not going to last, but I don't know how long it's going to be here. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, quite frankly, it's one of my better tweets. Joe Biden just gave another self-absorbed speech. Joe again talked about the car crash from 50 years ago, which I'm told really bothers Jill. Everyone undergoes tragedy. Joe is the only one who won't shut up about it. After all, it made him a hot commodity, his words, and they are his words. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, as, a, as a U.S. senator, shortly after he gets to the um, United States Senate, this is what he has to say. To Kitty Kelly, who is a major journalist, uh, I think she's dead now, but she was a big deal back in the 70s and 80s. I have no illusions about why I am such a hot commodity. I am the youngest man in the Senate, and I am also the victim of a tragic fate. Wow, huh? He, a hot commodity, a hot commodity. Yeah, it accrued to his political benefit. Isn't that really craven? There's something really wrong with that guy. Anyway, all right, enough about him. Um, 
I hope all the retailers had a very successful Christmas. I know it's tough. It was tough uh, three or four years ago before George Floyd. It was really tough to be a uh, a retailer. Amazon. Well, first it was Walmart, then Amazon. If you're a small business out there and you count on people coming into the store, uh, it's been tough, tough for years. And now we've legalized shoplifting. We've legalized it. Legalized it. It's essentially something you can do. Uh, it's too much trouble. You'll get into trouble. And you could lose your life if you try to stop these guys who have been emboldened by this crazy culture. New York Post has a pretty good write-up here. Shoplifting has reportedly become a $94.5 billion problem for U.S. retailers. A nationwide shoplifting epidemic is crippling the finances of brick-and-mortar retailers who warn that they may be forced to raise prices or even shutter stores in order to offset tens of billions of dollars in lost inventory. The National Retail Foundation is estimating that it lost $94.5 billion billion dollars in revenue due to shrink an industry term that means lost inventory which is being blamed primarily on shoplifting excuse me shrink measures losses including theft by employees and product damage but the greatest portion of shrink 37 percent came from external theft including products taken during organized shoplifting heists those are so scary they are really weird and scary and that so many people could get together and collude to break the law. It also noted, on average, retailers saw a 26.5% surge in organized theft incidents. Uh, the $94.5 billion sum represents around 1.4% of retail revenue in 2021, according to the NRF, whose data shows significant year-over-year increases in shrink that accelerated during the coronavirus pandemic. Between 2014 and 2019, shrink rose at a compound annual rate of around 7% year over year, according to the NRF. In 2020, shrink surged by 47%. The next year, it increased by another 4%. Well, of course, 2020, shrink surged by 47%. After all, I mean, George Floyd died, right? Just totally logical, right? Retailers told the NRF in surveys that staffing shortages exacerbated by the COVID pandemic have made it difficult to maintain enough personnel in stores that could thwart potential shoplifters. Supply chain shortages have also enabled shoplifters to sell stolen goods at a premium on eBay, Amazon, and other secondary market facilitators. Target said the theft contributed significantly to a more than $400 million drop in gross profit during the first three quarters of its fiscal year compared to the previous year. You know what? This is a crisis. The president should be addressing this and talking about this instead of a car accident that happened in 1972. And what was Jill's, um, I'm sorry, what was her name? Nell. What was her state of mind, Nellie? Because apparently she was under a hell of a lot of stress. If Jill is hanging around the house, I could see that adding to her stress. What the hell happened that day? You keep bringing it up, Joe. This is something you should be talking about. Oh, and I I saw this interview. Um, Earlier this month, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan noted that theft at Walmart was higher than it's historically been and could lead to higher prices and store closures if it persists. Meanwhile, Joe Parisi, president and chief operating officer of New York City's grocery chains, D'Agostino's and Gristidi's, hey, must be a friend of John's, 
uh, said the chains are fighting increased costs from higher levels of organized crime, and they've had to double the security guards at stores from a year ago. Walgreens, Best Buy, and Home Depot have also pointed out similar problems. Hey, not only this, I don't go to the drugstore as much anymore. I don't want to have to ask anybody to unlock the M&Ms. I don't want to go through that. You know, I don't. I just don't want to, you know, have to bother somebody. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to have interaction with anybody. Sometimes you just want to go in, get it, bring it to the register. I don't want to deal with anybody. Sorry, but I don't. And they got to come over with the key. Nobody wants this. People like Alvin Bragg, people like Barack Obama, people like Joe Biden have basically they've given the green light to shoplifting. Retailers did manage to score a victory this week with the House. Uh, they approved a $1.7 trillion funding package that includes a provision that would force Amazon, Facebook, and other online marketplaces to verify high-volume sellers. Okay. What the hell does that mean? Is that going to make a difference? I don't know. Could be something at Norman Craig and Kamel, but I don't know. The bill called the inf- – I don't care about that. I care about the retailers. This is, um, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. We're losing our country. We're losing our country. We're losing civil society. One thing you can do is grab my book if you want, because um, there are fewer and fewer people who are willing to make the case against this crazy, woke culture. And I want to do it again and again. And I also want to actually help save this country in my own small way. So the book is called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Uh, You can get it now. Uh, You order it, and it'll be there in a couple of days. And uh, it was a labor of love. It was hard, but it was interesting. Look, I go into such detail on Barack Obama, stuff that I did not know before, stuff that you don't know. Um, Barack Obama, the architect of this civil unrest, um, January 6th. You know what? I kind of consider it my own January 6th report. All right. I'm not talking about some podcast that Steve Bannon made. No, I'm talking about Lieutenant Michael Byrd and his unjustified shooting. Let's call it what it was, a murder of Ashley Babbitt. And a defense of the law enforcement out there who refused to be politicized. They... Just want to do a good job. Their job has always been difficult. And now it's been made 10 times harder by the radical left. And all those jerks out there, there are plenty of people on the street, especially liberals, Upper West Siders and the like, whipping out their cell phones, trying to catch a cop making a mistake. That's, oh boy, that's a big one. And I'm very proud of it. So... Uh, again, it's Greg Kelly, Justice for All, available wherever books are sold. Let's see here. Uh, everybody's number reset. Gail in Manhattan, hi. Hi hi there. Do you know that Joe Biden in his speeches still claims his first wife and daughter were killed by a drunk driver, even though that was determined officially decades ago. The driver was not drunk, was not to blame. The fault was with the wife and uh, – not the daughter, the wife speeding and um, – for years, uh, the, the driver of – oh, he says that it was uh, – his wife was killed by a man who drank his lunch and then got behind the wheel of a van. Totally wrong. 
for years the driver and his daughter begged Joe to stop claiming that because it was, you know, affecting the guy's reputation. For a while, Joe would stop, then he'd go right back into making the case, going on about the drunk driver because it made a better case for him. And they were planning to sue, but then the father died. Uh, this may have had a part in his premature death. And the daughter is, I guess the lawsuit was dropped, but she's still uh, complaining about it. And he won't stop. You're absolutely right, Gail. Uh, I know the story. And I've heard Joe say that about the driver, that he used to, dr- he would drink his lunch. You know, that's a, that sounds interesting. He made a, he just had to make it more interesting. He had to sell it more. And he talked about the driver being drunk and he wasn't drunk. And you're right. Real people paid a real price for that. And the daughter reached out. It's been documented. We have letters. And Joe, I think, grudgingly was about had to admit it, had to say it in some quasi-legal form that the driver was not at fault. And uh, it's it's amazing that he continues to do it. He exaggerates about that. He exaggerates about getting shot at in Iraq. He wasn't shot at in Iraq. It's ludicrous. Bo Biden, he says Bo Biden got cancer in Iraq. No, he didn't. He can't make that case. He just... It's the worst of the worst. A lot of career politicians do that, by the way. He's not the first one. But I think I'd have never seen it this at this level. Anyway, Gail, what are you doing for Christmas? Oh, um, just getting together with a friend. I, I don't like the holidays, too. Uh, enough already. You know, I'm not a child anymore. It's not a big deal. But anyway. <laughs> Whoa, Mrs. Scrooge. <laughs> I hate to be a Grinch. I, hate <laughs> Man, to be a Grinch. Scrooge. You know, I think a lot of people feel the same way I do, but they won't say it. Well... Uh, come on. All right. I mean, I little children like you, I, that would be a different like, story. I love it. Well, you know. I mean, actually, to be honest, I, we haven't really told my little kids much about Christmas and Santa Claus and all that stuff. I mean, for them, it's just, still? yeah, they're, well, we, you know, some other people are talking about Santa Claus. I don't, I don't think we're going to do the whole Santa Claus thing. I think we you might do the whole. Tell them about Santa? No, I mean, let's face it. I mean, between you and me, I mean, I've got serious. I, I know there could be kids listening. I've got serious doubts about Santa. <laughs> I have serious doubts about the authenticity <laughs> of that story. All right. I mean, oh, I could. Right, but your children would enjoy it. Why? I mean, you know, what did it make me? It made me a materialistic little brat. You should have seen the way I came down. I mean, some Christmas, I, I expected all this stuff. I made a list. I gave it to this stranger. And where the hell did this tradition come from? It's really weird when you think about it. It made it magical. I used to love Christmas. I would count down the days. Yeah, to oh, get a goodness. bunch of stuff, a bunch of but plastic the tree, crap. The beauty, the beauty of it all. Yeah, you know, all I wanted was uh, Hot Wheels. You know, all I wanted was Evil Knievel and Planet of the Apes action figures. And, I mean, it was about that stuff. It was a, it, a man you are today. It probably... <laughs> It primed uh, it primes us to be materialistic beasts. I'm not talking about well, that, cr- Christmas. Christmas itself, the beautiful story, the beautiful you know. The, I mean, that is something else. The cr- Christmas, but the materialism that goes with it, and the department stores. Then again, here I am sticking up for the for the retailers, and I yeah. I want them to do well. All right, Gail. Hey, I appreciate it. Well, one more thing. Where in Manhattan are you from? I hate to say it, but Upper West Side, there are some sane people even in this neighborhood, believe it or not. I know. I winced. You know, when I said that, I feel like, well, you know what I mean. It's a shorthand. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a shorthand. But yes, of course. No, you're right. You're right. Um, There are people I just can't 
talk about politics in my name na- my neighbors uh they would really never speak to me again well it's um, funny so, they would know. never speak to you but you would speak to them i mean that's how i feel i talk to liberals i don't mind you know what i mean okay we disagree but they they're the ones i've been shunned i have lost some lifelong friends that's okay i've ga- i've gained plenty of new ones but uh, that's uh, uh, i they said they turned their back on me i didn't turn my back on them gail have a nice holiday anyway okay <laughs> all right i'll, I'll see try. you later Bye-bye. um Bye. I hope I'm not – I want to make sure I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm just talking about all the stuff that went with it. I mean, as a kid, I don't know if that Santa Claus stuff was good for me. I don't know. I know that Santa did come through for me in a big way. He really did. Um, but you know what I mean. People get really upset if you're a little – if you're too frank and candid about Santa. So I got to be – oh, Sonny in Florida. Did you meet Joe Biden? Is that – somebody handed me a note here. Yes. Yes, I did. And? Uh- uh, I mean, first of all, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, December 5, pal. You too. Uh, Thank yes, you. Yes, I did. In, uh, in 1980, I graduated from college in Dover, Delaware, and I got my first job as a federal protective officer in the uh, in the courthouse there on French Street in Wilmington. And there was this guy that was always hanging around, and, he, you know, I see him one day, and he, he says, listen, I, I just made a fresh cup of coffee. Would you like some? And that became a, like a ritual. And then he told me in person about that story about his wife. How they got it. Uh, it was, I think it was a truck, if I'm not mistaken, that hit his wife and, and the daughter, and I think in the back seat. But I'll tell you what, it was very emotional. He had, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So you're working, you said federal security in, uh, in well, Wilmington. Well, a police officer, United States police officer. All right. And some guy would get you a cup of coffee? Yeah. And it was Joe he Biden? Right next door. He, he, he was the senator at the time. Okay. So but, you knew who he was? Uh, I kinda, I, I, I'll tell you vaguely because I just got the job there. It was like the first week I was settling in. I was fixing my office, which is next door to his. But my office was the size of a, of a closet. I just had a gun locker there and a, and a desk. But he used to come in and, you know, he would chat with me. And he says, look, just made a fresh cup of coffee. And I went in there, you know, he, and then after a while I found out who he was. He was a senator. And we would just talk about politics and everything. So. Who knows? I might have been influential in the shaping of our country. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Well, but but, but he's an interesting guy, you know. As I, nice I as this but, sounds, I'm going to be a bit of a naysayer. Okay. Okay. You know, I would love to have coffee with the stranger. All right, just kick back and shoot the breeze. I can't do that. I don't have time. People have jobs, real jobs. This is very kind of representative of 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 politicians. They're just trying to. They, they they don't have any real responsibility, you know. They, they, they can they can just shoot the breeze. Oh, totally. Get, yeah. I mean, did you? So all right. But going exactly. back, but it is interesting. So so you spent some serious. How many like hours would you estimate you spent talking to Joe Biden one on one? I would say about maybe three hours a week. <laughs> Wait a second. All right. Now, both of you guys were wasting your time. You're <laughs> three hours a week. For how long? Was that? It probably wasn't three hours a week. You're overestimating. Come on. Well, you know, it was back in 1980. And every now and then he would he would stick his head in the door and said, look, I have a cup of coffee. You know, would you like to come in? And I, and I, I would just go in there. I, you know, the job of a federal protective officer, it was only three officers in the whole building. Oh, so you were like the bodyguard. You were like you were you were guarding a federal building and he was a federal employee. That's where his Senate office was in the, in, in Delaware, right? Yeah, 
He was a U.S. senator, yes. Sir. Yeah. All right. So and he's gotten all right. He's making nice on the guys because uh, all right. I am not. That doesn't tell me that he's a good guy. At all. I'm not saying if he was a good guy. He just took a different path. That's all I'm saying now. I mean, and he brought I'm up totally, to you. Uh, he brought up to you the whole thing about his uh, his wife and daughter eight years earlier. Yeah, that's the first discussion. Yeah, that was one of the first discussions that we had in his office. You know, and you know he's very emotional about it. And I, I really felt bad for him. You know, of course, of course. But isn't that a little bit much? Seriously, take a look back. Isn't that a little much? Yeah, I, I guess thinking back now, it uh, it was yeah. It was the way he just brought it out like that and everything. You know, he hardly knew me at the time because I was I was a new employee. And uh, but um, yeah, he just uh, I mean I'm a, I'm a, I'm a total Trump fan. I uh, I actually I actually supported Trump three years before he ran for president. Hey, listen, sure do me a favor, Sonny. I want I got another question for you. I got to take a quick break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this is nice. No traffic at all. It really is light. Feels like Christmas Eve already. But tomorrow's Christmas Eve. And the street, no one's working. People are working here, but um, across the street, man, it's a ghost town. And that's fine. That's good. It's good. If you can get home, get home. Um, Oh, wait, Sonny was there. This guy, you were a federal officer protecting federal facilities, and you became good friends with Joe Biden in, uh, in the early 80s. What happened? Did you get exactly. Tra- Why did it end? Well, after after it was very boring there, as as I could tell you. So I I got a letter saying that I I was uh, I was offered a job as a New York State court officer in Brooklyn. I went there for thirty years, and I retired there. And uh, and now I live in the villages part time. And I drove last night. I, well, I drove yesterday from the villages all the way here. So I'm, I'm kind of out of it, but. Um, yeah, I belong to uh, an organization called the Villages for Trump. They're very big on him for, over, uh, you know, for, for Trump over there. And uh, even though, you know, they they like DeSantis too, but I think uh, they're going to give it to Trump this time because, you know, they, he really deserves it. They really believe that he uh, he won the election, and they're going forward. So, I mean, let's hope. Do you have one of those uh, golf carts down there in the Villages? They all ride uh, around. I, you know, sir, I rented one out, and I it was like a new toy for the first week. After about the third week, I hated it. I just hated it because it's on a different path. And there was a hurricane while I was down there about a month ago, and I got stuck in a tunnel because it's a separate path than the road. And it started to um, it started to rise, and this this puddle became like a river. And I was really getting worried. But uh, a lot of people helped you out down there, and they and they got me out. They pushed me actually pushed me out of there and got all wet. It was up to their waist, the uh, the water. So sounds great. You know that's enough. Hey, so all right. So how did things end with Joe Biden? It just kind of petered off, or you you got transferred? It kind of petered off because after I got that job, uh, you know, I was sent after I spoke to him about a few months. I got sent on a on a this this huge assignment down in the uh, down in Arkansas where all the Cuban refugees came in 1980. I guess you remember that. Oh yeah, I remember it. Hey, listen, Sonny, that's a really interesting story. It really is. It's uh, I'm glad you called. How about that? Uh, uh, alone, you. you bet. Alone time with the future president of the United States. Too bad it had to be Biden, but still interesting. All right, give me a moment, please. Uh, be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I am hereby calling for the reinstatement in honor of Christmas 
of Keith Olbermann to Twitter. Yes, that uh, that crazy hothead. Let's put him back on Twitter just for old time's sake, okay? Let's let him uh, let's let him talk about those silly dogs he likes and uh, whatever else is making him mad. I don't mind. I don't mind. Look, I don't like anybody being censored. I don't like anybody being kicked off of a platform, and I don't want to say he's being censored, but I'd rather have these guys back. That's what kind of makes us different from those guys. I mean, Keith Olbermann wants to have me arrested. <laughs> he wants me he just, uh, but I think he should be let back on the platform. I'm going to go ahead and send a special message right now to Elon Musk. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's my gift to uh, to the uh, to the left right now. Oh. So it's really quiet out there. You know, it's really, really quiet college campuses. All those kids are gone. Um, The service academies, West Point. It's funny. West Point's very close to New York City. It's only an hour away. You never really hear about it all that much in the media. You know what they really love to write about, though, is the Naval Academy. It's pretty close to Washington, D.C., and a lot of fake news reporters just really love to find any little nitnoid thing they can and look at this. Oh, the Academy is now once again egregiously, you know, something they did wrong or they want to portray is wrong. You ever notice that with reporters, it's the constant kind of theme of everything is the world is not to our satisfaction (laughs) or something happened and it wasn't entirely perfect. And uh, we want, we want, uh, we want it all addressed. Anyway, somebody called yesterday and told me about how they're getting rid of everything related to the Civil War at West Point during the Christmas break. And they are. In the dead of winter, they're going to come in. They're going to take down the big painting of Robert E. Lee. They're going to change all the names of the streets. There's Robert E. Lee Boulevard. There's Robert E. Lee Avenue. All this stuff. And then people, I guess, will will feel good and righteous, right? And they won't be offended. Is that really what it's all about? You know, Rudy Giuliani once said, if you want to, you can spend your entire life being offended. He said that back in the 90s. I thought it was really kind of an interesting thing to say. You really can. He was ahead of the time. Now it's very fashionable to be offended all the time. I want to know if one cadet ever in the history of West Point complained about the name Lee ever. Uh... Before 2020, I mean, after George Floyd, I understand everything. Oh, gosh, we had to uh, we had to atone and apologize for everything. But our some individuals just had a chip on their shoulder about America all along, it seems, including the defense secretary. Hey, who's the defense secretary right now? Who's the secretary of defense? Anybody know? Anybody know? Think about it. Hard to write. Nobody knows. These guys used to be giants. They used to be. Remember Casper Weinberger under Reagan? Uh, Robert McNamara, he was a bad Secretary of Defense, but still, everybody knew who these guys were. Anyway, it's Lloyd Austin, who is a former four-star general in the Army, and he goes, he spends a hell of a lot of time complaining about all the racism he had to go through. He's he's black, and um, I just saw this whole report featured him and two other uh, four-star generals complaining about all the systemic racism that there is. And I'm like, uh, am I the only one who sees the irony here? You guys, uh, (laughs) you guys made it to the very tippy, tippy, tippy top of the, of the military. And you think it's all, uh, racist. Anyway, here's Lloyd Austin, 
complaining about the whole situation. I'll tell you what, I never would have volunteered to serve a military or serve a country that was systemically racist. I'm surprised he did cut 38. There's probably not a job that I had since I was a lieutenant colonel where some people didn't question whether or not I was qualified to, to take that job. It's the world I live in, and, and I'm sure that the other officers that you talk to would, would probably say the same thing. There's not a day in my life, David, when I didn't wake up and think about the fact that I was a black man. I would go someplace with my staff, and we were wearing civilian clothes. Somebody would come out to meet the, meet the general, and I wasn't the guy that they walked up to. You get it, right? They figured that the general was white. I mean, how racist can you get, right? No. It's very easy to feel offended. It's very easy for that chip to be knocked off your shoulder, I guess. But why was there that mistaken identity? What happened there? It would be great if there were more black four-star generals. I contend my belief is it was not discrimination that prevented uh, officers from becoming general if they were black. I just don't believe that. In fact, being black actually helps get you get promoted in the military, in corporate America, and it's been that way for a very long time. But now, if you talk like that, the way Austin did, you could really, really uh, write your own ticket. Let's see here. And as soon as he becomes a Secretary of Defense, uh, he wants everybody to uh, talk about race all day long. Cut 39. Cut 39, if you don't mind. The truth of the matter is, we need your help. I'm talking, of course, about extremism and extremist ideology. I also want you to share with your leadership your own personal experiences with encountering extremist and extremist ideology in the military. Now, doesn't that sound like a valuable pursuit? I was active duty for nine years. I never saw any extremism. Never heard a hint of it extremism. Hey, by the way, back then I was a leftist. I I was a Democrat. Yep. I voted for Bill Clinton in 1996. I was a different person back then. And when that whole thing happened with Monica Lewinsky, I was like, uh, I was defending Bill Clinton. Anyway, um, so I was, you know, I was the odd man out in terms of politics. And they, they disagreed with me, but it was good-natured. It wasn't a problem. There was no such thing. These are phantoms, and it's distracting. Now it's terrible. In the military, we are falling behind. I heard from a very well-placed general that the United States Marine Corps right now is not a force in readiness and could not fight a war if it had to. If something bad happened tomorrow and the Marine Corps was needed, the Marine Corps well, it just might be a wall. <laughs> it uh, it could not it could not respond. Did you know, by the way, that the Marine Corps gave away its tanks? You know, tanks are pretty kind of a big deal to have, right? The Marine Corps just gave them away. Happened over the past couple of years. I'm like, wait, what? The Marine Corps has no tanks anymore. Yeah, no tanks. That's uh, 
But we do have plenty of time to talk about white rage. And the Army, too, cut 40. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Well, you should resign and pursue it to your heart's content. You know what? People in the military should be understanding and pursuing their jobs. Landing on an aircraft carrier. Commanding an artillery battery. Repelling out of a helicopter. There are tough, tough jobs. These are tough jobs to do under normal circumstances. And now we've thrown DEI into the mix. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And coming forward and talking about your truth when it comes to extremism. Oh, and make room for the transgenders. Do you remember, you know why Donald Trump is a monster in the eyes of the left? I mean, really a monster? Well, one time when he's president, in addition to everything else, he came out and he said in a tweet, after consulting with the military, I had decided that there is no room in the United States military for transgender individuals. Thank you. That's it. Said you can't be transgender in the military. I think that's totally reasonable. Uh, I can't even believe that there was a debate around it. Everybody lost their minds. Every, I mean, it was just insane. The react, do you remember this? Here's, um, this is an impassioned speech on the floor of the House of Representatives from one of the Kennedys. One of the Kennedys was in Congress at the time. Cut 45. Today, the President of the United States looked American soldiers in the eye and dared to question their patriotism their courage. He doubted their commitment to the brothers and sisters in uniform. He said that our military couldn't or wouldn't stand for all of us. To the thousands of brave transgender men and women serving today in uniform, please know that a grateful nation does not take your service, your patriotism for granted. You deserve better from your president, You deserve better from your government. You deserve better from your country. Wow, isn't that moving? Especially with the music, by the way. Um, The whole country went totally crazy woke, like overnight. This is not where the country is. Now, Colin Powell, who had an amazing military career, he's one of us, by the way, a native New Yorker, grew up in the Bronx. Um, He was a protege of Ronald Reagan, became a four-star general based on merit. Uh, great individual when he was in uniform. When he left, he totally lost it, by the way, especially when he helped uh, start the Iraq war. He was really embarrassed by it. And then he, to atone for it, he just, there was not one Democrat he would never not endorse. Remember, it was always big news. Republican Colin Powell endorses Hillary Clinton. Republican Colin Powell endorses Barack Obama. Republican Colin Powell endorses Joe Biden. I mean, After a point, it was like enough. Okay, he's no longer a Republican. Uh, But anyway, listen to Colin Powell when it come when it came to gays serving in the military, gay people in the military. He's the top general at the time. This is 1993, cut 43. But open homosexuality in units is not just the acceptance of benign characteristics such as color or race or background. It involves matters of privacy and human sexuality that in our judgment, if allowed to exist in the force, would affect the cohesion and well-being of the force. How about that, huh? Very, very strong against gays in the military. By the way, um, my position on that is I do think, and I think we are in a place, and I'm 
doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter who you like. It does not matter if you're heterosexual or, or gay. If you want to serve and you can serve, serve. But let's not make such a stupid big deal about it. I mean, I've seen Army commercials, Marine Corps commercials, all caught up. And who the hell you want to go to bed with? It has nothing to do with that stuff I was talking about with earlier. Landing on an aircraft carrier, firing an artillery battery, rappelling out of a helicopter. That stuff is hard, and it doesn't matter uh, which way you go. Don't make such a big deal out of it. You know, one of the reasons why I joined the Marine Corps, in addition to the amazing example provided by my father, was, uh, oh, do I have that yet? Do we have the uh, end of uh, Full Metal Jacket? You guys got that Full Metal Jacket clip? Yes or no? Just let me know. Full Metal Jacket? All right, I'll take that as a no. No? Yes, no, maybe? No? Okay. Full Metal Jacket, in the very beginning, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman says, you will find no bigotry in my corps. I think you are all equally worthless. <laughs> it's great line. Great line. And then at the end of the boot camp sequence, he says, today you are no longer maggots. You are all U.S. Marines. And for the rest of your lives, no matter where you go, Every Marine is your brother. And I just love that. I love that. It's a brotherhood. Sisterhood, too. We got to. By the way, in that movie, come to think of it, Vietnam movie, 1987. Do you remember who who they had to rescue? Remember the guy that, that got pinned down in the fire? And who did they all try to rescue? Eight Ball was his name. Happened to be what we called a dark green Marine. And all those guys risking their lives to save him. It was a brotherhood. I'm just realizing right now that the Marine happened to be black. It did not matter. I don't think it even came up in the movie. Anyway, now it's all about what you look like and who you go to bed with. Which I don't think is interesting. I mean, a, I mean it can be a little bit interesting. At, but, you know, it's not nine to five. Not 7 in the morning to uh, uh, 1600, and that's when we basically knocked it off. Not while you're at work. Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, Susan, real quick, she's upstate. Hey, welcome back. Oh, gosh. First, I just want to say, and I know I speak for so many people, we appreciate your courage and tenacity and, you know, wish you the very best and your family. I agree with you about the materialism and the whole Santa situation with young children. I remember my I have three millennials, and when I used to buy all that plastic stuff, and then a year later, basically throwing it away. And now maybe we could be a little more conscious because we realize that in, that a lot of this comes from China and per, and perhaps forced child labor. So do we want to support that? I think you might be onto something. Look, I like I like toys, but. You get bored of toys, you know, and try to think of one good Christmas gift from last year. It's just it's it, the material stuff never really satisfies you. It never does. Mm-hmm. And um, but we are the, the training, the indoctrination starts very, very early. And we are we can be very wasteful and buy, 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 buy. And I know you got to buy, I guess, to keep the economy going. Or do we? I don't know. Well, anyway, thanks, Susan. Thanks for noticing. And. You're up there at the the Finger Lakes uh, area, right? Yeah, it's um, a little blizzardy, but, you know, it's all good. Um, I've got family up here, and they mandated me to get out of New York City, and I'm glad I did. But for now, um, 
But I also wanted to just ask you, is your book on audio or will it be? Yes, it is. Yes, it will be. Um, yes, it is. On Amazon, you can see. You can get it on audio. And I think these days with audio, you can stream it or you can have the CD sent to you. You know what I mean? Right. So so it would be like on the Audible app? Yeah. Yeah, the Audible app, which okay. which is synced to uh, Amazon. So, uh, oh. and, what? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, oh? No. Well, I mean... Amazon, although they're feeling they're feeling the pinch too. All right, you got they're beef with Amazon too. I mean, all right, look, we got, we got. You don't have an Amazon account? Well, yes, I have access to it, and I do use it when necessary. But again, you know, maybe. All right, listen, I got to run. I got to run. Let me. Right. The bottom line on the book is it's available wherever books are sold, including the uh, the audio version. Uh, it's called Justice for All by me, Greg Kelly. Have a great holiday, Susan. Merry Christmas. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Got to start thinking about New Year's resolutions. I think I may have to uh, delete Instagram. It is too much. My gosh. And there are fascinating things. And you can just spend your whole life watching a guy build a Lego set or watching uh, a bunch of lions eat a zebra or watching uh, skydivers jump out of a plane, or watching some hot girl walk out of a restaurant. I mean, it's just endless, endless, endless. And it's all just totally, I don't know why, I never thought watching somebody play with Legos would be interesting. But somehow it is. And they're making a lot of money off of us in our interest. Oh, am I out of time? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is me. Hey, uh, as a gesture of kindness this holiday season, I demand the immediate reinstatement of Keith to Twitter. He can promote those dogs he likes so much. We each retain the option to block him, which I shall exercise. Keith Olbermann, who's looking out for you? Um, What else? It is almost there. My gosh, actually, it's here. It's here. There's a piece out there. New York is slowing down almost to a halt. I hope you are where you need to be. Uh, Travel is going to be, let's see here. Uh, Yeah, the networks are still going nuts about uh, some snowstorm somewhere. Do we know where that thing is anyway? Uh, It's, I think we're going to be all right. Don't you? Um, mm, mm. Hey, oh, yesterday I told you about the Mary Tyler Moore show. Why did I bring that up? Because... It's the one woke thing I agree with, and I don't consider it woke. So the Marine Corps may start uh, abolishing the whole sir and ma'am routine. Yes, sir. No, sir. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. I actually never like saying sir. I never like being called sir. I Now that I'm not in the military, I really don't like being called sir. Um I usually think someone's trying to snow me a little bit when they say sir, you know. And also, sir connotes somebody who's older than you, and nobody really wants to hear that or feel that way. Um, what else about that? You know, Trump makes fun of it all the time. Uh, you know, I went to this, uh, I went into this place, and they came up to me, and this guy, he's, he's a, he says, sir, can I ask you something, sir? And I'm like, sure, ask me anything. And then he then he'll tell another story, sir, Mr. President, sir. He's like, he kind of mocks these people who use the excessive deference, you know. And I think it can be a little bit much. So they're going to get rid of it potentially. 
And I think that's a good thing. I don't like, you know, in the military, if I talk to somebody who outranked me, you had to say, sir, every so often. Some people said it at the beginning and end of every sentence. It's like half your brain is counting how many times somebody has said, sir. I'd rather just focus on the mission. You know what I mean? And the ma'am thing is even more complicated because when it gets when it comes to women, I think the I think it's fair to say that women are more sensitive about age than men. Okay, I think it's true. And who remembers the the late great Mary Tyler Moore? Isn't it funny that she played a fictional character with her own name, Mary Tyler Moore, MTM? Anyway, here's episode two of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. This is 52 years ago. And Mary gets bent out of shape when some guy calls her ma'am. Cut 44. Excuse me, ma'am. 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 Oh, you mean me? Yes, ma'am. Ma'am. This kid. Well, no, he wasn't even a kid. He must have been 21 or 22 years old. He comes over to me and he calls me ma'am. Ma'am. Your first time? Yeah. Uh, they based the whole show about that. It's kind of Seinfeldian in a way. You know, somebody says something and uh, somebody gives somebody a look and they build a whole show around it. I don't think anybody should call anybody uh, ma'am or sir. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, the other thing I think that we should do, no, I'm going to leave that alone for now. I'm going to leave that alone. I am, I guess I should start my Christmas shopping, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, stores are open tomorrow morning, right? Right? They close at like 2, but I think they're open tomorrow. Keith is in New Jersey. Hi, Keith. Keith, are you still there? Uh, we lost Keith. Let's go to uh, Jerry. He's in New Jersey. Hi, Jerry. Hi. You know, the, the Republican Party, I mean, it's, it's it's like a part of it is suicidal, and especially when you have people like like Tom Cotton, who's supposed to be, quote, unquote, so enlightened and the next Marine and all that stuff, and then vote for this massive uh, garbage dump, we'll put in polite terms. And then Lindsey Graham, which is even worse, he plays both sides against the middle, but we know he's really, he's like another John McCain. And these people should be ashamed of themselves, especially Cotton, who comes across as being such a righteous person. Well, what do you mean by that? Well... You know, voting for this one point seven. Yeah, I know, but what do you? No, no. What do you mean about the righteous person part? He comes off as a righteous well, person. What well, do you mean you by know, that? He supposedly, he supposedly on the side of the people, and he, he, you know, he supports, he supports balanced budgets and all that other stuff. But basically, he doesn't. Because if he did, he wouldn't do what he did. You know, it's Tom. You know, I look. I really admire and respect Tom Cotton. I really do. And D.C. is complicated. Look, I would love it if they just went down there and yelled and screamed and, you know, it would be very amusing. But not everybody can be Marjorie Taylor Greene. And uh, I got to I gotta cut him some slack on this thing. I don't like this omnibus crap either. Omnibus, omnibus. I don't like it. I'm going to have to trust these guys. I mean, part of the system is a little bit of delegation on our part. All right? We can't. I can't I can't figure out that thing. I can't. And I don't like the system, 4,000 pages long. But there is some stuff in there that we need. There is some stuff in there that we need. Every budget has a lot of pork in it going back at least, I don't know, 150 years, 200 years. 
always got stuff in there we don't like. So, I don't know, I hear a little bit of venom in your voice about Tom Cotton, and I don't like it, Jerry. I think you've gone a little bit too far. I think you got to, you know, I mean, yeah, vote against it. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Actually, I wouldn't mind if they shut shut the the, the Capitol down. Let me see here. Let me see here. There's a guy in Arkansas who agrees with you. This is the Arkansas Times. Uh, Tom Cotton doesn't live here, it says. Ooh, this is going to be mean, Jerry. You're going to like this. Several years ago, an unassuming Little Rock apartment became the official home of a United States senator. In signed papers, U.S. Senator Tom Cotton and his wife switched their voting residence from a house. Oh, this is just about a. This is just about that. I thought this was about the old omnibus thing. And I don't know, man. I like the guy. I don't know from omnibus. Jerry, educate me. You tell me more about this omnibus bill. Well, two key points they missed. They voted for more money to process illegals. Why didn't they vote for money for the border? That's number one. Number two, why didn't they take that same money instead of all these IRS agents and get more border agents, more ICE people, and give them the material they needed? And, uh, you know, it's like they just put up they, – they just took – they just took a whole bunch of garbage, like they had 141 garbage bins, and they just threw everything in it. Well, you may be right. You may be right. And uh, and and it's disappointing. They didn't give the Republicans in the House, which at least we we would have gotten something done. They can't do anything for roughly a year or 10 months, whatever it is. What is it, October, September, November? I don't know, do man. Listen, I don't work at C-SPAN. I'm not a congressional page. I got to trust a guy like Tom Cotton. Yeah, maybe over the break I'll look into it a little bit more. I know I don't like the Michelle Obama nature trail either. All right? I know money's being misallocated like crazy. Uh, but at the same time, there are there's some of that stuff that we do need. But then again, maybe you do shut it down. I mean, they say that the government shutdown is the worst thing in the world. You know who gets blamed for the government shutdown, of course, Republicans. And then they try to act like it's uh, the worst thing that ever happened. The government shuts down. Mark Levin reminded me basically every weekend. No no problem there. Anyway, Jerry, back when you uh, – are, are you retired or what? what do you do? No, I'm 77 years old, but I still work. I have my own business. I'm in marketing, uh, consulting, and also I have a promotional products company. That's because I have one kid, but I have a half a dozen grandkids who range from 16 to about nine months. Excellent. And I'm worried about them. And, you know, one other point, I'll make it quick. Instead of people buying a well, I did for my son when we used to get gifts. Well, I'm Jewish, but I'm making a point. The point is, instead of giving everyone Christmas, you know, buying them four toys, buy them two toys and buy them a stock. At least the stock you're not going to throw out. That money grows. Yeah, that's, that's a good, what I did for my son. That's a good little. Is he? I, is, is he? Is he like a multimillionaire now? No, he had. He went through. He did some bad stuff. He went through a lot of money. We paid for all this. He didn't finish college, but whatever it is, he wasn't in debt because all that money. That grew for 19 years went from like 12,000 to many times that 12,000. Jerry, let me ask you something. You run a very tight household, I can tell. And I know it's the parent, you know, we can only do so much. Uh, it sounds to me like you did everything for that kid of yours who's, it's great, he had six, uh, but he went off the beaten track there for a while. What happened? How do we, how do I prevent that from happening to my kids? 
I guess you can't, but you just have to deal with it. Like he went, he was in school and he was fooling around. He, he wound up with a bad crowd that was doing drugs. I said, look, you want to do drugs? Here's the deal. I threw him out of the house. I said, you can't have for three weeks. He lived with all the bad people. And then when he came in, I searched his drawer for a month. I said, okay, you're clean. But the next time you're going out, you're not coming back. Sometimes you have to use tough love. Wow. Wow. Peer- my wife wasn't happy, but I but I did what I thought was right. Cause she's my wife. Can, my wife compared to me is easy. Me, I'm the, I'm the disciplinarian. How me, old was he? How, how old was he when you kicked him out for three weeks? Um, how old was about? What was about twenty three? All right. Well, he shouldn't have been living at home at that age anyway. Well, he, he left at twenty five. He finally got married. But he was about 21, 22, but he wound up with bad people. I searched his drawers for about a month. No, you told me. So listen, you know, so, but, so he's all good now, right? He's all clean and everything, right? Yeah. You know, I have this, I still have disagreements with him, but I guess, you know, he has his own family now, so I guess that stands to reason. Yeah. Well, you got it. You, wow, Jerry. Hey, I appreciate it, man. So a little fun. I'm going to buy a stock and, um, you know, hope yeah, for the you best. You know what you do? There's a, pace, there's a thing called the money, money, book, money paper. The way that works is, I don't mm. know if it's still around. All right. You spend $25 on this book, and you have 1,200 stocks, and any stock you buy, you're only paying $5 a transaction, and that money grows mm. it month in and month out. That money grew to well over six figures. Wow. All right, I'd like to do something like that for my kids. Uh, you want to do everything for your kids, but you can do too much. I've been warned about that. Jerry, thank you. Wonderful wisdom and insight. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to have to, uh, well, maybe Tom Cotton Cave too. You never know. All right, thanks, Jerry. What do we think about that guy? One of the things about Tom Cotton that's so cool is, and actually it's not cool anymore. It's just a nice thing, all right? He leaves Harvard Law School, and then he becomes an officer in the Army, a regular officer, not an Army lawyer. Uh, a regular officer, uh, combat uh, uh, infantry officer, and goes to Iraq. Um, that's uh, it's, it's it's interesting. It doesn't make him a good senator or a bad senator. It's just interesting. All right, as we wind down 2022, let's uh, all right. Give me a break. I'll be right back. And uh, final thoughts of the year. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, this is me. Well. Hope you had a good year, and 2023, it's here, just about. I don't make a big deal out of New Year's resolutions, really. Uh, really, they should be, what did Tony Robbins once say? Most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. You know, we really do. We put so much pressure on ourselves in the year, and it all falls apart pretty damn early. Uh, but if you have long-term goals, 10-year goals, and you would develop systems to achieve them, systems, systems, time you go to bed, time you wake up, reading, Bible reading, uh, just systems, the systems, better than any list, it's the systems. Hope that makes sense. Uh, for me, it worked. Anyway, all right, so I got to go across the street for the Newsmax show. One more show, and then I'm off. I'm off to the mountains skiing. I'm going to be skiing for uh, a bunch of days. I hope it's not too cold. I hope I don't break my leg. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't even feel like going. I'd really rather sit around and watch movies. It sounds very physical. I'm very, very kind of, I'm very, very vibracious at this moment. Uh, Tony in, uh, no, not you, sorry. Uh, uh, Carmine in Long Island, hi. 
Hey, Greg, I wanted to apologize for being so hyper last time I called. But like yourself, I'm going to claw your taste. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> a quiet taste. I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas, and I sent you a present. You asked what it was. Did you get it? It has something to do with you're going to get a little Trump thing. You're going to get a little Charles Stanley thing. Um, I, ho- I hope you get it. It was three weeks ago, Greg. And then uh, you, you want to go shopping. Listen, Hamada Hamada, the, uh, the malls are packed. And let's just hope that, you know, the churches are packed this weekend for the reason for the season. You know what I'm saying? As a... You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's very beautiful, uh, Carmine. Thank you. I'll be looking in the mail. To be honest, I got a whole big uh, room full of stuff. I uh, uh, thank you. I have not seen your package yet, though. What kind of envelope is it in? It's a, it, it, it's four items in there. It's it was it's a pretty. You can't miss it. You know, there's something uh, for the girls. Something. For oh, you. You, too much, dude. You shouldn't do that. No. Well, this is going to be it for a while. Well, but, thank you, you know, very, very much. Thank you. You shouldn't have done that. Uh, and what do I ask from you? Uh, here, you, no, yeah, you should, I should, well, listen, I should, what? It's the it's the love of God and the and the love of Christ for a Christian brother, and it's really supernatural, Greg. It's hey, really, tell I everybody wanna... that story the other day that you were uh, some there was some robber in your neighborhood, and you chased him down. Can you tell yeah. everybody that story? There was a, a drunk driver hit my neighbor's car, and he was running, and uh, I went after him. I thought he was I thought he uh, I thought he was a, a thief. But he was drunk, and I was calling, stop, stop running. Why are you running? And he didn't stop. And I I thought he was another, you know, I just said something in Spanish. And I, and I said, in el, name, in el nombre de Jesus Cristo, I commanded to stop. And the guy just stopped and turned around and started crying. And he says, I'm, he goes, I'm, I'm scared. And I go, look, I want you to hurt you. You have to come back. You hit that car. Look, I'm going to make sure no one hurts you. Jesus is here. It was the love of Jesus in me that really had compassion for this man, Greg. Well, it's, it's, an ama- it's, amaz- it's amazing what happened. Whatever happened to that guy? Well, he is. we found out he is a neighbor, and uh, he's getting the help he needs. And his, his wife brought me a whole big thank you package. Oh, wow. And just thanked me. Well, that's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful, I- amazing, the power. Wow, what you got there, Carmine. Carmine, thank you for your generosity. We'll talk in the new year. Many, many thanks. And I got some other folks I got to check in with. Thank you, Carmine. Stay in touch. You bet. You too. Um, uh, Tony. Tony is in White Plains. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Greg. Merry Christmas. Uh, A couple of days ago, I went shopping with my wife, and we were in a major department store. And uh, I looked around. It looked kind of different from, you know, other times that we're in there. And uh, then I realized what it was. Every mannequin in a store was black. They took the white mannequins down and put black black ones up. And there was a woman standing next to me, and, and, I, and I said, do you notice anything? She says, yes. She says, I noticed that too. <laughs> and then, no, this is no joke. So, so we went, listen. I know. I don't know what to say. I mean, look, I mean, we have seen that over the past couple of years. It's like uh, yeah. you can't find white people in commercials anymore. They've all been... Uh, I mean, anyway, it's a little bit it's a little well, bit on the nose. It's a little bit overdone in my opinion because they've just gone, you know, they just it's been an overreaction, overcorrect correction, but what else? Yeah, but then uh, then I go to I go to the post office, right? And I ask for Christmas stamps. So the girl hands it to me and and uh, I said, "Do you have anything else?" She said, "No, these are the only ones we have." You know, they, they were black elves. They had little. Uh, they, well, I mean, I gotta say, there's nothing wrong with black elves. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with this. No, I know, but I, I mean, I wanted uh, religious ones, Santa Claus ones. She said these are the only ones we have. 
So so then I go to All CVS, right? right? <laughs> and then what happens? I go to CVS and they got a, a a whole shelf full of Santa Clauses, right? And more than half of them were all black. I didn't know Santa Claus was black. Well, I mean, let's face it. There's a little bit of uh, wiggle room on Santa, right? I mean, let's face it. He's a mythical figure. If you want him black, you can have him black. If you want him Asian, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. Uh, I mean, does he really technically have a race? I don't know. Um, I uh, mean, I mean, I don't know. Look, I hope this did. I mean, look. Uh, all right. So I what mean, else? Everything is upside down. I mean, well, that's I, not. I, I mean, look, look. There are a lot of things to get freaked out about. This is not one of them, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I mean, you're telling me there were no white mannequins at the place. Not 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 a one. Not one. Not a, not a one. Now that sounds like discrimination. You want, me, you want me to tell you? You want me to tell you the name of the department store? I'll tell you. Yeah. Coles. Coles. What the hell? Yeah, Coles. Coles. All right. Coles. All right. We'll send our I team up there. Thank you, uh, Tony, and have a great Christmas. I gotta I gotta check in with some other people. Uh, Corey, hello. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Um, so I wanted to comment about the, the man and sir thing. Uh, I totally see your point. I get it. It's kind of like, uh, a little like, uh, ridiculous, but, uh, but hear me out on my, on, on my idea on this. Um, uh, you know, these are little things that show a sign of respect. And I think they had them and that was the purpose of it to, to be respectful to, uh, to your superiors. Now, um, I work in a paramilitary type, uh, organization where, you know, it's good in a sense when you meet somebody and you say, sir, sir, and they're like, all right, all right, don't call me sir, because then you kind of know yeah, yeah. that they're on the, on the level type people. The ones that need to hear it, you know who they are. So it kind of helps you out. Just like you said, sometimes people will give you the sir like they're trying to snow you over, you know. And also, you know, it is a woke thing. I think it stems from the idea, because uh, I've heard this before, where people are like, you know, the, the slaves would call their masters sir and, and so on. All right, so listen. They want to remove it. Corey, you got a lot of great points. Thank you. Happy New Year and uh, good Christmas. Uh, Barbara, hello. Hi. Hi, Greg. Married two days before Christmas, and all the stuff that people are getting, the children won't remember. But what they will remember is if you give them a book and you sit and read it with them. You give them a game and you sit and play it with them. I love it, Barbara. Once again, fantastic advice. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'll see you later. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.